We want to give you a hand. Amen. Amen. People that are willing to make incredible sacrifice for our freedom and the protection of those freedoms deserve our respect and our honor. Amen. You know, every day we, we take things for granted, don't we? You know, we just go through life. We don't even think about the fact that somebody risked everything so that we could have the stuff that, we're, that we just take for granted. And we want you guys to know today that have served in the service uh, how much we appreciate it. And we really do respect that uh, investment that you've made for us. Thank you. Amen. If you're here today and you don't own a Bible, if you'll hold your hand up, the ushers will bring you one. It's our gift to you. Just hold your hand up. Ushers will bring you a Bible. And uh, just want to encourage everybody, get in the Word. Get, I said get in the Word. Amen. Know the Word. Grow in the Word. Apply the Word. Live the Word. <laughs> Look at your name and go, ha, 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 Do something. Um, okay, you got your Bible with you? Okay, let's stand up together. We're going to hold it up and make a confession. <laughs> I'm going to have fun with you today. <laughs> you guys are all looking nervous or something. So I'm going to have some fun. All right. Hold that up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, I will never be the same. Shout it out. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big freedom praise. Amen. Amen. So glad you're with us today. We're just believing God for great things. How do you know God's already doing incredible things? He's doing great things in your life, through your life, in spite of your life. God is doing great things. Amen. He's on a move. He got great plans for you. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. There's a hope of a future God's pulling you towards. Amen. Amen. There's hope. Look at your neighbor and say, there's hope for you. Amen. God has hope. Hope of the future. You have an enemy that would love to rip from your grip, your future, your family, your faith. Your future is not years from now. It's moments from now. If he can mess up your future, then he'll begin to sabotage your, your family. If he can get your future and your family, then he'll go after your faith. And you know what? Pretty soon, hell's hunting you, and you ain't got no fellowship to protect you, right? Destiny has called you. Hell's hunting you. Fellowship's going to protect you. You know why you need the fellowship? You know why you need your family? You know why you need faith? You know why you need the church? It's because there's people in the room who know something you don't know. They know a little, they, they got a little insight you haven't quite received just yet. Just in one area. Now you know some stuff that they don't know. Right? And they need you just as desperately as you need them. But when you take what we know and you add that together, now we know some stuff. Right? Because we got the Word of God coming alive inside of our heart and we're going to demonstrate Satan's defeat. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm here to humiliate hell. Amen. How many, how many are tired of having hell beat up on you? Isn't it weird? We got a defeated enemy picking on the people of God. We got, we got a defeated devil wreaking havoc in the lives of believers. And the only reason that's happening is because they don't know what they need to know. They think they know everything. 
Come on. That's saying about us. We're just making tapes to send to people we've met. Right? This, no, no, we got it down. But the fact is, is that when you know t- today, when you learn what you didn't know yesterday, then tomorrow you're going to be able to do what was impossible today. When you learn today what you didn't know yesterday, then tomorrow you'll do what was impossible today. You'll get her done. It, you'll see it accomplished. And, uh, we, you know, we're not coming in here just to, you know, sing a few songs, hang out with some people, you know, get some high fives and maybe some business contacts. We're, we're trying to grow so that we can live to humiliate hell. Amen? So, that, so the next time you're going through the storm, your elevation is just a little bit higher. Yeah, and you're looking out the window going, that used to bother me, but not no more, right? Mm-mm, I'm over that one. going to have to come up with something better than that, right? And, you know, I hope that you will just get it in your spirit. Just, I mean, just to live to create trouble for hell. Hell's created enough trouble for you. It's time that you started troubling your trouble, right? Now, I'm, I'm going to be nice, but but we're going to get her done today. Okay? Look at your neighbor and say, this is for, this is for people we know. It's okay. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. Let's just get going. Hebrews 12. We got it amplified up there for you. Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so uh, great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth. You, you know, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses who have already experienced great victory. Heaven is a cheering section for you right now. If you, if you were seeing in the spirit, you, you know, angels are all around you and they, they have experienced the truth. They have borne testimony to the truth. Man, they know the truth. The truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. The word of God is the truth. They know the truth and they know that no weapon formed against you can prosper. They, they know the truth. So they're going, don't, don't cave in. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep going. Keep stretching. Keep reaching. Keep climbing. Keep fighting. Keep your chin up. They're screaming, go, baby, go. Okay? Heaven's, heaven is cheering you on today. Why? Because they know the truth. But since we are surrounded by that, look, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, every unnecessary weight, and the sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. You know, how many of you know that we go through life, we carry some stuff we just don't need to carry? You know, there's some issues. And, and, and you know, hey, I grew up in church. I've been in places where everything was a sin. Everything. Chewing gum. They pass around a Kentucky Fried Chicken bucket. Spit the gum in there, you sinner. You spit it in there. You know, because chewing gum was a sin. I, I, I about got crucified one time because I walked into a bowling alley. You know, uh, some of you guys have been places where the sideburns, if they weren't right, that was wrong. If the dress wasn't long enough, you, you know, that wasn't right. If your hair's too long, there's sin in your heart. When we're talking about getting rid of the sins that, that so easily cling to you, listen, don't, don't go all uh, denominationally religious. You know, quite frankly, some of the junk that we cared about so much, who cares? How about we deal with them nasty attitudes, right? <laughs> you know, if the spirit of nasty lives at your house, maybe you could invite happy over for a while. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, like Jim said, you could deal with that unforgiveness, that bitterness, that thing that's just clogged up your life for so long. Let's deal with that. 
the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not let stuff pile up. You know, maybe before you, maybe before you go to bed at night, well, actually, maybe before you get out of bed in the morning, you can take all the junk that other people have done, said, and, you know, all that stuff, and let that go. So you can start a day fresh. I mean, just start the day fresh. Come on, guys. You know, we call ourselves believers. Let's live like some. Let's, let's get rid of the stuff that's trying to weigh us down. Why? Because we're in a race. We're, we're in a race. Get, get rid of the extra weight. You know, uh, we do Mount Badger quite often. And when we first started, uh, I remember one day borrowing a little backpack that you can put a baby in, thinking, oh, that, that was a brilliant idea. Let's take a baby. And uh, so we took our niece and put her in the backpack. And she weighed like seven pounds. I don't know what she weighed. She weighed nothing. She's a tiny little thing. Put her in the backpack. By the time I got to the top of the mountain, she weighed 247 pounds. <laughs> Honestly, there were moments going up the hill I thought about losing the backpack. When I got to the top of the mountain, I took her out of the pack, set her down, and I thought, she's got legs. She can walk down herself. But that didn't seem right, so I had Shelby carry her down. And um, <laughs> Man, I got to tell you something. What started off as almost nothing turned into a huge ordeal. You don't need that extra weight. You don't need to carry that extra baggage. Some of us have got some stuff. We'd be, we'd be just as well to walk away from it, right? Don't carry that extra baggage. Marty pointed out to me just a little bit ago. David, when he went in to go fight Goliath, he left the baggage at the door. Don't go to warfare with that baggage. Sometimes we, you know, we try to do what God's called us to do, but we're carrying so much extra weight. We don't have the energy or the strength. See, you got strength to do what God's called you to do. You don't have the strength to carry the junk that you're bringing with you. Hello? Come on. Let, let that stuff go. And let us, let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence. You're going to run. You're going to run. You might as well strip down so you can run well. Right? Let us run the appointed course. Everybody say appointed course. What does that mean? That means that you don't get to pick your race. There's a race that is appointed for you. There's a course when, when God formed you in your mother's belly, when, when he called you by your name, when, 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 he, when he was working on you, he, it was with purpose in mind. There is a course. You know what would just be nuts would be to run hard and long, finish the race and have him say, that was a great time. Wrong race. Yesterday, uh, they had a triathlon in the park. Shelby's brother and a couple other guys in the church, they, they, they were involved in it. They swam half a mile. They rode a bicycle for 12 miles. They got off and ran for three miles, all while we had hot dogs and Pepsi. Right? It's really cool. It's great. And so they're out there doing that. And I noticed that when they run, that they set some stuff down before they take off. They strip down and run. You know, you're running, you might as well run well. Might as well run to win. And make sure you're on the appointed course. Talk to God. And make, let God talk to you. The Bible says that God declares the end at the beginning. So he knows where the finish line is. Make sure you're running towards the finish line. Hello? Let's get in the right race. Look at your neighbor say, be in the right race. Look at verse 2. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus. Oh, man, that's good right there. 
Look away from all that will distract. I've got to tell you something. We are the most easily distracted people on the planet. You know, there's stuff going on all over the place. You know, your TV's on in three rooms in the house. you got your computer, two or three of them lit up. Your iPod's in your pocket. you got an ear thing on your thing. You're, you're sitting there, you know, going through life. Man, we got a lot of voices going. A lot of noise in our world. You know, Revelations, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him. You know, why don't we open the door? Because we can't hear his voice. He's knocking, but the life is so loud, we can't hear nothing. Man, don't be distracted. Look away from all that will distract unto Jesus, who's the author, the finisher, the leader, the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief. He's also the finisher. He for the joy. He for the joy that was set in front of him. For the joy. Man, he looked down at the end. He saw the joy that was going to be produced. He went through some stuff to reach the joy. Come on, guys. There's a, you know, there, there is just a, something you got to see. You got, if you look at the middle, you might be distracted. But if you can focus on the end. Remember Proverbs 14, 12? There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends are the... Thereof are the ways of death. Death is separation. There's a way that seems right to you, but, it, but your way is going to separate you from God's end. Okay? So you shouldn't be focused on the way. We get all hung up on the way. That's the distraction. What we need to focus on is the end and let him handle the way. When I focus on the end, let him handle the way, I'm not distracted in the middle. I'm just going to the end. Right? So at the beginning, he declared what the end was. The word declare means to me to make known. He didn't hide it. He declared it. So at the beginning of a thing, I knew what the end of that thing was. So in the middle, I wasn't distracted by what looked like the end. Have you noticed that in the middle of warfare, it looks like it's over? You think it's the end? That's the distraction. If you can focus on the end, then the middle doesn't matter anymore. Because I know there's joy in the end. You with me? He, for the joy that was set before, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now seated at the right, right hand of the throne of God. Look at verse 3. Just think of him who endured from sinners and grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary. Realize weariness grows. You don't just get up one day and you're weary. You know, same thing with exhaustion. You, you, you don't just get up one day and... I can't take it anymore. No, it's been building. They said, you know, if you, if you get rid of that extra weight, you could run a lot more effectively. And some of the stuff that's causing you to grow weary, causing you to be exhausted, wouldn't even matter. You wouldn't even notice it. it the race wouldn't be such a big deal if you weren't carrying all that stuff. Look at Jesus who went through everything he went through. Matter of fact, go ahead and, and compare what you're going through. Consider it all in comparison with your trial. Look at your trial and look at what he went through, okay? Here's Jesus' deal. Here's your deal. I think he suffered. I think he went through some junk. I think he handled it quite well. It, a lot more than you're going to have to deal with. When, you know, when it, is, it really doesn't compare quite, quite exactly the same, does it? I mean, he, he, you know, we're, we're dealing with the price of gas. Have you, have you priced the price of blood? You know, uh, we, we, we don't like things a certain way. They're nailing him to a tree. That's a little different issue. If he can make it, so can you. Come on, heaven's looking at you going, look, man, you can do this. It ain't that big a deal. 
Come on, don't make, don't make such a big old heavy weighty thing out of that. Strip some of that junk off and get on with your race, right? Just, just strip down and run and win. Somebody say amen. We're going to win this race. I said we're going to win this race. Make sure that you don't relax and faint in your mind. Man, you know, guard your heart. I think the Bible says above everything, guard your heart. Why? Because out of it flows the issues of life. Your heart, that's your thoughts your emotions. All the way through the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, when you read the word heart, it's talking about thoughts and feelings. You know why your heart's so important? Because your thoughts and your feelings, see, the word you hear determines the thoughts you think. The thoughts you think determine the feelings you feel. The feelings you feel determine the choices you make. The choices you make determines the habits you create. The habits you create determines the character you possess. The character you possess determines the final outcome. So if you end up with an outcome that's not godly, it's because you've made, uh, you, you had a godly character, you had a character that wasn't godly. If you had character that wasn't godly, it's because you had ungodly habits. If you had ungodly habits, it's because, well, you made ungodly choices. If you've been making ungodly choices, it's because you've, had, you've allowed yourself to be uh, dictated by emotions that weren't influenced by the Spirit of God. Human emotion always makes the wrong choice. If your emotions aren't godly, it's because uh, your thoughts haven't been directed by God. If your thoughts aren't godly, it's because you haven't been hearing godly word. You've been hearing some other kind of word. So if, if you want to change something in your life, all you got to do is find the thing that needs to be changed and back up from there. Get back to the word. Get in the word of God. If you got God's word, you're going to have godly thought. If you got godly thought, you're going to have God-influenced emotions. If you have godly-influenced emotions, then you're going to have the ability to make godly choices. If you make godly choices, you're going to have godly habits. If you have godly habits, you're going to create a godly character. If you have godly character, you're going to have God's outcome as your end result. There's life right there. If you don't get nothing else, just get that and study that and memorize that. Every time, every, look, you don't, like, you don't like the habits that, that, uh, that you're making? Change the choices. Well, how do I change my choices? Well, you got to change your feeling. You got to change the way you feel about certain things. Well, how do I do that? By changing the way you think about it. Well, how do I change the way I think about it? Well, start listening to somebody different talk about it. Get some different word about it. Hello? Man, don't, don't, don't go soft in your mind. Well, man, the, the world's screaming at us and, and giving their opinion. I've got news for you. The world is not always in agreement with God's word. Very seldom. You know, you need, you, you, look at your neighbor and tell him, you need God's word. You know, we've been talking about things to remember in a crisis. And remember, the first thing, the first thing is that you can't remember anything you didn't know in the first place. It's hard to remember something if you never knew it. So, you, you know, you got to get in the word so that you'll know what to think. Listen, if the word you possess is Jesus wept, you are in for a long haul. You need a little bit more than that one, right? When, when, when a financial trouble comes, it's nice that you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but you probably need to know some stuff about finance. You need to know that give and it shall be given, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give unto my bosom? You need to know that uh, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. Hello, somebody. 
You, you know, when your family's under attack, you need to know my people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a quiet uh, resting place. You know, you, you need to know that believe on the Lord with all thy heart, you shall be saved, you and your house. You need to know some stuff. Right? You, you need to know today what you didn't know yesterday so that tomorrow you can do what is impossible today. You, you need to know some stuff. You need to know the Word because you're going to be in a crisis, and in the middle of that crisis, you need to know what to remember. Right? You, you need to know how to think when the pressure's on. How do you know that that is one of the promises in the Word of God, that there's going to be pressure? I know when we think of the promises of God, we like to think about the blessings, you know. Great peace have those that love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. That's a good one. But then there's this one. In this world, there shall be tribulation. Oh, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. But if you don't know about the overcoming power that you receive when you step into Christ, then all you see is the tribulation in the world. And in the middle of tribulation, what you remember is Nana didn't make it through this either. Hello? It's really interesting. Listen, my, my father had seven brothers and a sister. His, his parents died of cancer. His seven brothers and his sister died of cancer. They sent my father home to die with cancer. He had tubes going up his nose to feed him. He was so weak he couldn't hold his head up. But then one day he stumbled upon a little scripture as he was reading through Proverbs. My son, attend unto my words and hearken unto my sayings, for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Suddenly, he knew something that his seven brothers and sister and his mother and his father and everybody before them, he knew something that they never knew. So based upon what he knows now, the thing that used to wreak havoc with them now no longer does. Why? Because, well, his word is life to those that find them and health to their flesh. My father got into his Bible, started reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, and the more he studied the Word of God, the stronger he got. He studied himself out of cancer. Now, I'm talking about after chemo, after radiation, after all hope is gone, when he was back in a hard corner and there was nothing left to do except pick out a box. Hello, somebody. What you know makes a huge difference. I said, what you know makes a huge difference. Because if you don't know the end, you might be shaken in the middle, thinking it's already over. If the middle shakes you, then you must not be sure about the end. See, you'll have joy all the way through if you really know the end. But if you're losing your joy, remember in Nehemiah chapter 8, they read the word, they understood the word. As they understood the word, their joy level came up. When the joy level came up, so did their strength because the joy of the Lord is our strength. So the higher the understanding of the word they got, the greater strength they got because their joy was going through the roof, right? So if you are losing joy in the middle of a battle, it's because you don't really know the end. It's not a problem. It's not an issue, except that's your indicator. That's the light that should trigger you to go get in the Word. Okay, I, I got like 15 minutes to get this into you. And you can't look at me like a calf looking at a new gate.
what what I didn't say was even better, but I can't say it. Okay. No, it ain't. Okay. Here's the deal. If God's word is true and you know it, does the Bible say that you shall have whatsoever you say it? Well, if you know that, and you know, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it'll be done for you. So if you're living in the word and the word's living in you, well, obviously it's going to change the way you think because the word you hear determines the thoughts you think. So now his word is changing my thoughts. My thoughts changed by the word are going to change my emotion. Now I'm going to feel the same way I used to feel about stuff because I got godly thoughts going on. Now that my thoughts have changed, my emotions, now my decisions are changed, I'm not asking for all the junk I would have asked for because his word has changed me from the inside out, right? So I'm not asking to consume it upon my own lust. The Bible said the reason you ask and receive not is because you ask to consume it upon your own lust. See, that's even an indicator. Oops, you need to get back in the word, right? But, but, but now that I'm asking in alignment with his word, Everything I'm saying, I'm having. The middle isn't shaking me. Why? Because I know the end. How did I learn the end? I went to the Word. Look at this in Acts chapter 20. Check this out. Paul writes, and he said, now, now you see, I'm going to Jerusalem bound by the Holy Spirit and obligated and compelled by the convictions of my own spirit. There's one problem we have. We don't have very many convictions. We have persuasions. People have persuaded us to believe a certain thing, to live a certain way. But in the heat, persuasion won't cut it because you could be swayed to change your mind. Right? See, if you're, if you're not convicted about what the end is, the middle might persuade you to accept a different end. Hello. But a conviction. He said, look, I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem bound by, uh, convicted, compelled by the conviction of my own spirit. Look at what it says. Not knowing what's going to happen to me there. He said, I don't know what's going to happen but I know I got to go. Okay, get this. I'm going to the end. I got to get there. I don't know what's going to happen in the middle. I don't know what's going to happen except, look at verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit has clearly and emphatically affirmed to me that in city after city, imprisonment and suffering await me. Did you catch that? I don't know what's going to happen except a bunch of trouble. I got to go because I've seen the end. And in the middle, I don't know what's going to happen. I, the only thing I can guarantee you, doesn't that sound like a great recruiting statement? Well, I've, God has a place for us to go. Hey, listen to me, garden family. God has declared to us the end. We, we have the vision. Now, I don't know what's going to happen between now and the time that we have satellite churches all around the region and the Word of God is being taught all over the place. I don't know what's going to happen except this. All hell's going to break loose. So, you ready? It's kind of like getting married. Ain't it? I don't know what's going to happen between the I do... And uh, what just happened, no, that between the I do and, and the end that God has declared for, for our marriage, but I guarantee you one thing, we'll have some stuff to deal with. 
It's premarital counseling for folks. Let me encourage you. <laughs> it don't get ugly up in here. <laughs> Everybody want to be happily married. Happily married? It, doesn't that depend on what day it is? Happy is based on happenings. Anything could happen. Well, God wants me happy. No, he don't. He wants you to have joy. That is a fruit of the Spirit. That is a characteristic quality. That, that is godly character bearing fruit in your life. Well, doesn't he want me happy? No. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The happy of you is messed up. You're just trying to be happy? <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Not every day. So what? If, if, we, if we're not happily married, what should we do? End it? No, because we know the end. The joy will, you know, the joy, right? I don't know what's going to happen except trouble. Look at verse 24. But none of these things move me. None of what things? The bad things. I, I'm not moved by that. I'm not moved by the middle. Why? Because I know the end. I don't esteem my life dear to my... Well, what if you die? Then it's on into glory. I don't, I don't count my life dear. If only I may finish my course with joy. Oh. I mean, are you hearing this? You see it? <laughs> I'm at the beginning of a thing, and I know what the end is. I know the middle's going to get ugly, but all I need to do is get to the end with joy. What's going to get me to the end? The joy of the Lord is my strength. How am I going to get the joy of the Lord? By understanding God's word. Go back and read Nehemiah 8. How do you get the joy of the Lord? Not your joy, his joy. So your joy poops out right in the middle. Right? Your joy goes and falls over. Right? Your joy looks in the mirror in the morning and says, go back to bed. His joy carries you throughout the day. Right? How, do I, how, do I, how do I get God joy? Jesus joy. Jesus word. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might be full. His word, his joy. I get his word in my heart, his joy in my life. I make it to the end. James chapter 1, verse 2, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Whenever you fall into a different temptation, test it, count it joy. Why? Knowing this. He's telling you how to count it joy. It's based on what you know. If you're losing your joy, then you've got to go know something that you didn't know so that you can have joy where you didn't have it, right? So know this, that the trial of your faith, what's your faith? That's what you know. Is your faith strong or is it weak? I don't know. What do you know? What do you understand? And God, what do you got? What you got? And see, I think that's what the enemy's all about. I think he's coming to us saying, what you got? What do you got? What do you got? Let me show you, and, and he's, very, he's, very, he's very open to show you what he's got. And if you're distracted by what he's got, you might not remember what you got. And you won't remember what you got if you didn't know you had it in the first place. 
Check this out. Uh, Mark 4, 24. Uh, be careful what you hear. For to him who has shall more be given, and to him who has not, even what he has shall be taken away. Be careful what you hear. That, that be careful with what you hear. Why? Well, because what you hear is going to determine how you think, and how you think is going to go all the way down to your final outcome. Okay, why, 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 do, why do I need to be careful? To, to what you hear, the word hear is understand. Be careful of your understanding. Make sure you understand the truth, right? Because to him who has, who has what? Understanding. We're talking about understanding. Be careful what you hear. The word hear is understanding. So be careful with, with your understanding. For to him who has understanding shall more understanding be given. But to him who has not understanding, even that little bit of understanding he has going to be ripped from his grip. Why? Because he didn't really understand it. And the Amplified says the level of thought and study you give to the truth you hear determines the, the level of power that your understanding really produces. So if you don't know what you know, then even what you know is going to be taken from you. How do you take something from somebody who had nothing in the first place? Well, it's not that they didn't have it. It's that they didn't know they had it. So once they lost it, they didn't even know it was gone. There are bunches of us that have lost so much, but we're not even aware of what we lost because we didn't know we had it. It's kind of like living your whole life walking to work and one day, you, you know, somebody, uh, you know, pushes a button and a door goes up that you couldn't even figure out how to open you with me? Have you ever tried to open a garage door that has an automatic door opener on it? You ain't doing it. Not without a button. And then someday somebody pushes the button. You didn't know what the button was for, but they pushed the button. Now the door comes up. What's that in the garage? Car. Whose is it? Yours. Shut up. Yeah, you walked everywhere. You could have driven. <laughs> oh, man. I gotta hurry. Luke ten. I want you to know something that you didn't know before you came in here. If you come in here and don't know something better th when you leave, you didn't listen. <laughs> can't can't be my fault. Okay. <laughs> behold, everybody say behold. Oh, guys, man, you gotta get this. You got. Oh, say, behold. behold. All right, listen to this word. This word means stop, focus, and see this correctly. There's something we rarely do in a crisis. Hard to stop, focus, and make sure I'm looking at this right. You know, trust me, the next time your spouse reacts differently than you think they should, this might be years from now, or it could have just happened. Um, the, next, the next time your spouse reacts differently than you really expected them to, stop, focus, and make sure you're looking at this correctly. Make sure you understand what just happened. Because it could have been that you started something in their mind that you really didn't start. You might just need to clarify. You could end the battle before the war even begins. You might not have a crisis. Hello? Stop, focus, see this correctly. It means attend to what you are about to hear. It, it literally means that what might seem impossible to you may have already occurred. 
what, what may seem impossible, yet it has occurred. Behold, stop. You got to see this, right? Because what you don't think can be done is already finished. Do you know, do you know exactly what Jesus meant when he said on the cross, it is finished? He meant it is finished. Deal's done. We just humiliated hell. I'll be back in a few hours. I'm going to go get the keys. That's what Jesus did on the cross. The keys that Adam had surrendered to the enemy, Jesus just went down and said, I'll take those now. Thank you very much. And when he came back with them, he didn't hang on to them. He gave them to you. He, oh, no. He, he gave them to you. Behold, stop. What you think is impossible has already accomplished. For I have given you. I have, gi have given, past tense, not going to give, but did give. Okay? What you think is impossible has already occurred because I have given you a gift. A gift is something that you give to someone who's done nothing to deserve it. So not based upon how good you are, how smart you are, how pretty you are, how strong you are. No, based upon my love for you, God said, I'm going to give you something that you don't even deserve. It's not based upon you deserving it. It's a gift. So I have given to you. Okay, I ha if you want to open the gift, you can. It's yours. I have given unto you power. Everybody say power. power. Now, there's a problem here because if you read this, I have given you power. Drop down over all the power of the enemy. So I got power. The enemy has power. Right? Same word, power. Only different words used to be translated as power. So if you don't understand this, you might think, well, I got power. The devil's got power. We're, we're on an even playing field here. But no, no. You got to understand. Be careful what you hear. The level of thought and study you get. So give some thought and study to this. Our power is the Greek word exousia. Okay? So this word exousia is the power of choice. It literally means that you've been liberated to do as you please. How are you living? Just the way I want to. How's your day going? As I please. Is it a good day? It depends on if I chose to make it good or not. Right? It, exousia is the power of choice. It means that you're no longer under the dictates of another. Victim mentality just went out the window, guys. It is permission. I can do what this says I can do. It's permission. If you can find it in the book, you can live it in your life. It is the power of authority. Authority. It's the power to rule. It is a crown of regal authority. Listen, you have authority. The power that the enemy possesses is dunamis, which is the ability to influence. But it is not authority. The devil's got power, but he ain't got authority. You have authority and power. Oh, guys, if you get this, Behold, stop, focus, make sure you're seeing this correctly. That what you thought was impossible actually has already occurred. It has been delivered, supplied, it's on the front porch. A lot of us waiting for UPS, they've already been there. You, you, you know, in your business or at your house, have you ever been expecting UPS package and then, then you took off, went to lunch, came back, and you didn't know that they delivered it while you were gone. 
So you waited the rest of that day and five more days after that, and pretty soon you're calling the company that you ordered from, where is my product? And they say, well, let's see, according to our tracking thing, you got that a uh, long time ago. Hello? It's already been delivered. It's on the front port. You have the authority. You have the authority. See, if you count it all joy, if, if, if you, brethren, if you count it all joy, knowing that the trial of your faith, your faith is going to be tried, but knowing that the trial of your faith is going to work patience, your faith on trial is going to put patience on the job. Patience is the ability to remain the same so that when you reach the end, you will be lacking nothing. So in other words, that in the middle of the thing, if you don't give up but, and cave in and quit, if you just stand on what you know all the way to the end, at the end you'll have in your hand what you said you had by faith at the beginning. So at the beginning you claimed it by faith, but at the end you got it by sight. It ain't no deal now because now I got it because I'm not lacking anything. How did I get that? Well, because I knew what God promised me the end was. So I got all the way over there to the end based upon my authority. Even in the middle, when all hell tried to vomit out its power, I realized that's cute, but it ain't nothing compared to what I got. I have the authority to trample under my feet. See, devil, you are under my feet. So what you making look bad, go ahead. All you're doing is, is amplifying my testimony. You realize that when David took out Goliath, it was huge news because Goliath was huge. Had he beat up a midget, wouldn't have had the same impact. God's leading you into battles you couldn't possibly win except for your authority that he's given you. He's leading you into problems you couldn't possibly solve except he's given you authority to solve the problem. He's taking you places that you, you couldn't possibly know what to do. But what do you know? What do you know? Well, I know Jeremiah 33, 3, where it says, Call unto me and I'll answer thee and show you great and mighty things which you knew not. Amplified Bible says, I'll show you hidden things, secret things, fenced in things, things you couldn't possibly understand. Things that, things that nobody knows. I'll tell you all about it. All you got to do is call me. What do you know? What do you know? I know that according to James, if any man lacks wisdom, he can ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. I know that God will make a way where there was no way. I know that if I do what he said, he'll produce what he promised every single time. I know that God will not leave me nor forsake me. He's not going to fail me. He's not going to give up on me. And I know, I know, I know, I know that when his word's inside of me, that I can ask for stuff that doesn't even exist and he'll create it when I'm living according to his will. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we're going to receive the petition that we desired of him. I know that God is not a man that he can lie. So, and I know that his word is going to produce what it was set out to produce, that, that God's word will not return unto him void. I know. Well, well, yeah, but you know what my mom said? I don't really care what your mom said. I need to know what God said. You know, I don't even care what Oprah said. I'm going to live by what God said. Hello, somebody. What do you know? I know that I have a power. Okay, look. Let me just close with this. Jeez, okay. The law of gravity is real. We in agreement? Okay. The law of aerodynamics is not subject to the law of gravity. Right? Why? Because it's a higher law. Way before man ever flew, was the law of aerodynamics still real? But we didn't know it, did we? Why? Because we didn't know. Matter of fact, when people were trying to fly, they said, well, that can't be done. 
But they didn't realize that the law of gravity had already been broken by the law of aerodynamics. It had already occurred. Right? It had already taken place. Behold, the law of aerodynamics. Once we understood the law of aerodynamics, all of a sudden the law of gravity, even though it was real, no longer held us on the ground. Why? Because now we're operating according to a higher law. The higher law is not subject to the lower law. The lower law is still there. But it's not influencing us because we're now operating according to the higher law. Right? <laughs> you have power that is above the power of the enemy. Whether you know it or not, that's whether you've been in the book or not. But if you don't know that you got it, that don't mean it ain't there. It just means that you don't know you got it. So you're in gravity. You ain't flying. You walking. Right? You're afraid of heights. You don't even like stilts. You walking. But once you know about your authority, your authority now is a higher authority than the, you know, you got a higher power than the power of the enemy. The enemy ain't got no authority. He just got power. He is a chihuahua. Lot of yap. He ain't even a real dog. Guys, that is, not a, that is a rat with a hormone problem. That is not a dog. Church picnic the other day, there's hundreds of chihuahuas running around the park, all of them yapping and nervous people everywhere. What's going to happen if those dogs get loose? <laughs> you can squish it like an ant. Okay, here's the deal. Let me get back on. The devil's a chihuahua. He got a lot of bark, but he's already defeated. Really? Really? Ain't even a... Ain't really? Ain't really? Well, I, I don't want to mess you up too bad. I, I got to tell you something. If you know the end, I don't care what he does in the middle. If you know your authority, you, you, can, you can operate in your authority in a way that will lift you up above this stuff. Now, now it's aerodynamics. You flying. The mountain that used to be so hard to get over, you look down on it go, that one? You get up there, it, it, just in a little plane, just in a little, little plane, a little Cessna. You get up and fly around town, and people are only this tall. I mean, just any elevation change, everything changes. Just operating a little of your authority, you have a totally different view. All of a sudden, you're seeing things differently. Hello? You've got authority. You don't have to be beat up from the street up. You, you can rise up and demonstrate Satan's defeat. Next time the devil raises his head, you can look at him and say, show me what you got, big boy. Go ahead. I know the end. I know the end. Well, but but you, don't, you, you don't get it. No, no, no. Get your understanding of God's word. And I, you might be sitting there thinking, well, don't you guys have any problems, any challenges? What's life just a big old Dairy Queen Sunday to you? I got junk everywhere. But I'm not going to be distracted in the middle. I'm going to be focused on my end. Why? Because I know what the end is. Now that I know what I didn't know, even the stuff that used to bother me don't bother me no more because now I know what I didn't know then. People are going to look at you and say, how come you're happy? This, you know, last week this would have wiped you out. Well, because this week I know something I didn't know last week. You know, this challenge would have destroyed you. Yeah, but I know something now that I didn't know then. And any time I feel my joy going down, I go, ooh, I got to go know something. 
I said, well, my joy is leaving. I got to go. I got to go study a little bit. Excuse me. You know, if you ever call me up and I refuse to answer, it might be because I need to know something I don't know right now. I'll get to you after I know what I didn't know. Why? Because the only word I need is his word when I can feel that joy is going on the decrease. Right? I need his word. Look at your neighbor and say, you need his word. Nothing. Can, can we put that out there one more time? Luke ten nineteen. Look, I just want you to see the end. Nothing shall in any way harm you. King James says, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing shall by any... Nothing that in it, no weapon formed against you can prosper. None. If you stay focused on the end. But what if I die? Whoop, on into glory. What if you live? Demonstrating Satan's defeat. What if we look stupid? You already do. <laughs> Just kidding. Let's pray. Okay, let's pray. Let's pray. Close your book. Bye.